We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me right now, Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee to talk about our friends over at Lamb Shops. Chris, it's my favorite clothing brand. and It's mine too. That's I, that's what I thought. Uh, <laughs> SGLambChops.com is the website. Use promo code Candlestick20 to get 20% off your order. Follow them on Instagram. Uh, for photos of all their latest styles. They got a new winter line coming out that looks incredibly dope. And if I'm checking boxes of important things in a day, looking dope right at the top. Looking dope, the most important thing. Um, I think it's safe to say Lamb Chops probably excels. I mean, we love their shorts, right? Like their shorts have been phenomenal. I have so many pairs. But when it comes to, like they're a Minnesota brand, right? The t-shirts are a little bit thicker. The yep. hoodies are nice and warm. The sweatpants yeah. are nice and warm. Yeah. With fall season being here, I think this is when Lamb Chops really, really is in its bag. Um, yeah. So shout out to Craig. Shout out to everybody over there at Lamb Chops in Minnesota. SGLambChops.com. Promo code Candlestick20. Check us out. We're also sponsored by Cooperage Brewing. Shout out to the homies over at Cooperage. CooperageBrewing.com. That's the website. Get your Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA. You can order a case of it. Off their website, if you're 21 or older and in the state of California, they'll ship it right to your front door. It's the best way to acquire beer. Or you can drop by the brewery in Santa Rosa. Great vibes there. They got food trucks out there all the time. And just a boatload of great beer. Boatload of great beer. Great way to say it. Um, The the beers, I mean, if you're familiar with with the North Bay beer scene, you know there are a lot of very, very strong outfits up there but i would put cooperage's beer up against anybody shout out to tyler shout out to kurt um aka charlie aka chuck uh my guy but um yeah go get yourself some candlestick chronicles hazy ipa if you like hazies they have so many other um pale ales west coast ipas uh stouts award-winning stouts um they have wheat beers if you like those they have pilsners um, they even dabble in, uh, well, I mean, they have sours. The sours are phenomenal yeah. also. Um, and they even dabble in seltzers. So um, they got everything there. They got great vibes. If you have a dog, bring your dog. Um, indoor, outdoor type spot. Just a, uh, a great brewery in a great town of Santa Rosa. Yeah. See you there at Cooper's Brewing. Order your beer now at cooperagebrewing.com. All right. Let's talk about this 49ers Bengals game. Here we go. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Bosa has got him, and a sack him back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. I'm concerned for the 49ers on Sunday, Chris. What's new? <laughs> <laughs> but actually this time. Okay. So let, let's start Let's start here. Uh, Brock Purdy on Thursday returned to practice. That is a good sign for him progressing through concussion protocol. Whether he plays Sunday is still TBD, but the fact that he was on the field in a limited fashion is a good sign that he's trending the right direction. 
Trent Williams still out. Debo Samuel still out. Christian McCaffrey still a full participant as he was on Wednesday. I the Purdy the the Purdy thing is is separate. That that's whether he plays or not. Fine. I just the whole Niners coming off a short week, Bengals coming off a bye. That is what really jumps out to me, regardless of anything else. That by itself is a really tough spot for San Francisco. Yeah, but they do get they do get to play at home. Um, and look, like if you're a good team, the we, we talked about it before the season, right? Like we talked mm-hmm. about the rest stuff specifically. I think we had a whole segment or a whole episode devoted to it over the summer when we were talking about the rest disparity. Now the mm-hmm. 49ers have like the 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 biggest rest disparity in terms of schedule, quote unquote, disadvantage. And basically, we both said, like, if they're a good team, it's not going to matter. Right. So every team in the NFL goes through this stuff. And you just that that's part of what makes the NFL unique is that it is, in a sense, a war of attrition. And you just have to get over it. Like you have to you have to weather the storm. You have to deal with your injuries and, and you have to come out and play winning football or else, you know, you're you're in danger of losing three games in a row. So. Um, no one's going to feel bad for the 49ers, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is still uh, one of the most, if not the most talented rosters in the league. It's obviously one of the most expensive rosters in the league. Um, and it's a team with as high of expectations as anybody in the league. Um, mm-hmm. So they can't, they can't look at it like, you know, like, yeah, obviously it sucks. Obviously for them, it's, it's a huge disadvantage. And and I think we saw coming out of the Browns game and, and looking back at it in hindsight, particularly watching them play a week later in Indianapolis. I think the Browns having a buy in that, in that game going into that Niners game was a big advantage for them. And I think the same is probably true for Cincinnati, but look, if you're one of the best teams in the NFL, regardless of whether or not the other team's coming off a buy, you need to handle business on your home field and avoid losing three games in a row. Um, so yeah, it, I think you can definitely make the case. It's a tough spot. Um, Cincinnati's playing a lot better. They started 0-2, but they've won three of four. Coincidentally, all three of their wins have come against NFC West teams. So they have a stretch where they're playing the the four NFC West teams over a six-week span with their bye tossed in there, right? So um, they've beaten the Rams. They've beaten the Jaguars. Or sorry, they, <laughs> they've beaten the Seahawks. Uh, and they've beaten the Cardinals. And so now it's... You know they're they're getting all their NFC West teams out of the way early on in their schedule, mm-hmm. um, but I just think I just think the Niners just like you just got to dig deep and win a game, and then you know th- throw everything you have at it, and then enjoy your bye week, and then you can sort of feel like you you've hit the second half of your season after that. I was trying to decide. I was gonna I, and I'll and I'll throw this question at you. I was trying to decide if I was more concerned about their offense or defense going into Sunday. And I definitely think it's their defense because while their offense has struggled specifically without Trent Williams and Debo Samuel in, which are two key losses, obviously I, I still think that Kyle Shanahan is maybe the best problem solver in the league on the offensive side. And if you go look against Cleveland, they got, they got whooped. But if you go look against Minnesota, like I, I think I said this on the last podcast, they were still over six yards of play. They were, fine for the most part, save for Brock Purdy's couple interceptions at the end of the game. So I'm not that even worried about, about them moving the ball offensively. I, I do think if they can't figure out how to get pressure with four against a pretty mid offensive line for Cincinnati, um, and a, and a quarterback in Joe Burrow, who's, I mean, really good in the pocket and, and, um, mobile uh, specifically within the pocket. Um, they also like to push the ball down the field, especially now that, that he's healthier. So if they can't figure out a way to get pressure on him and make him uncomfortable and make him take those short throws that he doesn't always want to take, I'm not sure that there's necessarily a fix. Yeah. So I, I think to your point, and maybe this is part of the the what's on tap segment if we want to dive mm-hmm. into that. But like what's on tap sponsored by Cooper's Brewing. Go ahead. <laughs> um I I think Sunday's game could go a long way towards determining what the 49ers do with the deadline, particularly from a pass rushing perspective. I agree. Cuz if they don't get to Joe Burrow, 
and he carves them up like Kirk Cousins did last week and the Niners lose their third straight game. Like, man, Montez Sweat or Chase Young, or I don't think Brian Burns makes a whole lot of sense just because he's you're probably going to have to pay him. And maybe, I mean, I haven't looked at the contract situation of those other guys either. But, like, if Randy Gregory doesn't, like, impact Sunday's game at all, if Nick Bosa doesn't get to the quarterback effectively enough, mm-hmm. then I wonder if on Tuesday we're, we're talking, we're doing an emergency pod talking about you know, who the, who the pass rusher, the 49ers just got in addition to Randy Gregory, um, because I mean, it's just so important for them to win the line of scrimmage on the defensive side. They just have to, they're like, that's paramount. That's the way the team is built. They just have to do that. So there's, there's really like, part of me thinks like Sunday could be the game where like they get six sacks and then it's like okay this is it's it's sort of like reverted back to the mean right like yeah the 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 first these last few weeks where the pass rush has been bad could be could be an outlier or it could be a sign of of you know serious problems that they have and maybe they're not as talented as as we all thought or maybe steve wilkes is more over his skis than we initially believed um but to me like sunday's game is going to be a referendum on how they operate at the trade deadline because if they don't get to Joe Burrow and look like the Bengals are the type of team that you have to beat to win a championship, whether it's now or whether it's, you know, in February, right. Exactly. Or January. When, when you talk about though that caliber of teams, I know the Bengals haven't been uh, what they were a couple of years ago when they went to the Super Bowl, but at least like they, they still have Joe Burrow and they've still played pretty well and they still have Jamar chase, right? Like they're a team that you still have to factor in, um, to the the playoff discussion in the AFC just because of what they've done in the last few years in the playoffs. Like, we still have to take them seriously and consider them one of those teams. So if the 49ers come out of that game with the pass rush still being an issue, they're so invested in this season that I would expect them to be aggressive on Tuesday because they're not – like, th- this core is not going to be together forever. And there might be some substantial losses – in the off season when it comes to like some of their highly paid guys. And I'm looking squarely at somebody like Eric Armstead, for example. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so, you know, this is, this is an all in team. And if they don't get to Joe Burrow and they don't bother him, then I'm ex- then I would expect them to remain aggressive. But part of me is sort of expecting like, all right, it's a home game. They're pissed off about talking about how poorly they've played. I'm talking about the defensive line in particular. Mm-hmm. Nick Bosa is going to be extra focused. The Cincinnati Bengals offensive line isn't great to your point. And then it's like, okay, six sacks, eight sacks, Bengals score 13 points, Niners win 24, 13. And, and it's sort of back to normal going into the bye. I like, I tend to think that's closer to what's going to happen, but I also was not expecting them to the, the defensive line in particular to basically be neutralized the last few weeks in the way it has. Yeah, that's the that's the concerning thing to me. And that's that's what I'm trying not to like. I didn't want to overreact to week six, but then week seven, the exact same thing happens. And and Minnesota has a has a good offensive line, but the Niners defensive front is built to still have an impact. You know what I'm saying? And for two weeks in a row against a, a specific a Browns defensive line that was without Joe Batonio, they're best guard and they still couldn't figure out how to, how to affect PJ Walker enough. It's the fact that it's two weeks in a row at the most vital position group on their roster. That that's the concern. If it was, Hey, two tough games in a row from Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, nobody's batting an eye, right? Or two tough games in a row from the secondary. It's like, ah, you figure that out. But when it's the defensive line, it's like, yo, they, they have invested the resources to ensure that this is not going to be a problem, and it still is. So, I'm I'm with you, man. I, I, if they don't figure it out this weekend, I don't know how you go forward into the bye week and and and, and through the deadline, which is um, Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday at one o'clock Pacific. I don't know how you go into the bye week with this group of pass rushers because it's clearly not going to be good enough. Yeah. And like coming in, 
coming into the season, there were serious questions about the depth, right? Mm -hmm. Like losing Charles Amenahu, losing Samson Ebukam. Um, you know, the, the Niners are winless since, since getting rid of Kerry Hyder. Just it's a great point. Just pointing it out. This is why you should be subscribing <laughs> to this podcast because we are going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Not yeah. Winless since they let go of Kerry Hyder. <laughs> should John Lynch be fired? 555 five, five. Uh, candlestick is the number. Check us out on YouTube live streaming. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I don't know. I, I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I think. Like, if you watch Steve Wilkes' media availability on Thursday, um, he – so some coaches do this thing where they just – like Kyle Shanahan, when he does his podium session, just walks up, does his injuries, injury updates, and then lets the media ask questions. He's not a I'm going to go up here and give a statement kind of guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. I would say probably a third of the coaches that, that at least I've covered in my experience – go up to the podium and then give like a statement, tough game this week. They're fast, physical, uh, great scheme on offense. They got talented skill guys. We have to account for blah, blah, blah. Steve Wilkes opens his press conference unprompted, giving a statement saying, you know, I take full, in essence, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not quoting him here, but like basically saying, I take full responsibility for the play call at the end of the first half that led to the 60 yard touchdown, the zero blitz, blah, blah, blah. He was talking about it, and like I guess we we should give Steve Wilkes credit for being accountable and taking the blame and falling on the sword and all that. But like, it it was like the dude got a DUI or something and had to like apologize to his family and the organization. Like just the tone that he was having in the press conference. It was like, it was you know it it was like. You know, I take full response. It was like very serious. It was like, man, it was just a bad blitz call. Like, it, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't put anybody's live lives at risk. Like, it was, it, it, and it was so solemn and so. I was just like, man, this isn't like confidence inspiring, dude. You know? <laughs> right when you started talking about this, the transcript was emailed. Oh, nice. So, it's quote. I got to be and and I'm going to just cut this short because then I want to get to what's what's next. Mm-hmm. It says, quote, I got to be honest with you. By the time I talk to you guys, win or lose mentally, I'm on to the next game. I know there's a lot of questions about the call right before the half. So I definitely want to address that before I move on to Cincinnati, which is hilarious. But anyways, <laughs> I take full responsibility for that call. I have to do a better job in putting guys in a better position. Da, da, da. So he's like, hey, I want to get out in front of these questions. First question. Was that called partly a reflection of not being able to get to uh, Kirk Cousins? Next question. How do you explain the front four not getting? And then he cuts it off and it's, it's like he tried to get out in front of it and answer any questions right up front. And it's like, nope, still questions. <laughs> it was one of those press conferences. You know, he was talking about like having to learn his players still. And he sort of alluded to the fact that like they're running a version of the defense that is far closer to the D'Amico Ryan's Robert Sala scheme than the scheme that he's used to. And he's still like learning those adjustments. And it's like, it's, it's just not what you want to hear for like a contending team that has this much talent. That is, you know, one of the best defenses in the league. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't have the same feel <laughs> that it did at least and I'm not trying to judge too much from from a coordinator's press conference because yeah, public speaking is hard. Public speaking is hard, and it's you know. But this is a former head coach, so like he's been in plenty of press conference settings before. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I'm not saying he handled it poorly. It was just the tone of his voice and the and and the answers he was giving didn't. It it just wasn't screaming top like confidence. That's all. Like I think that would be my only point. Is like, man, it wasn't it didn't feel like this is a dude who has like a complete grasp on everything and is fully comfortable with what's going on. And obviously the production is, is like the issue, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of like, yeah, we're still trying to figure this stuff out. And it's like, Ooh, man, yeah, like, that's we not... are, we are in late October. My guy, and... like you want to figure this out by now. You're in late October with a defense that was number one in the league in scoring and yards allowed last year. Or points and yards allowed last year. I, I'm I'm baffled at what you could still be figuring out. 
I, I just I don't I, I I I'm sure there's nuances here that that I don't know about. <laughs> I'm sure there's nuances here that I don't know about, but I can't imagine it's super complicated. Just taking over a D'Amico Ryan's defense. Relax in the uh, in the YouTube chat. All caps. We suck again. It's just funny seeing relax irony. and we suck again. Yeah, right. Um, probably. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Like, so what Kyle Shanahan talked about earlier this week was like basically How the idea of <laughs> <laughs> the the idea of tying coverage to the pass rush or tying those things together so they're on a on a string, right? And the way Kyle Shanahan explained it is basically the Niners sort of identify or their goal is to identify where the first read is on any given play. Mm -hmm. So like take that away first. And if you take away the first read, then the quarterback has to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. And if he's holding it on a little, he's holding onto it a little bit longer, then that gives the pass rush more time to get home. Like that's what, when you hear coaches talk about, tying together the pass rush and, and the coverage that's that's what they're saying mm-hmm. and but the issue is is like so often the quarterbacks are getting to their top of their drops and just getting the ball out like yeah. it's not like i think it's a combination of quarterbacks getting the ball out quickly which is a reflection on the coverage and maybe it's their ability to identify what the first read is or mm-hmm. maybe it's just the coverage calls themselves but it doesn't feel like it's solely on the defensive line to play better I think that's definitely part of it, but it feels like it it feels like there's an element of and they talked about like not tying, not being able to tie the coverage to the pass rush. And maybe they're just not doing a good enough job taking away the quarterback's first or second reads. Mm-hmm. And that was a real interesting, you know, sort of answer to diagnosing what the issue is. And that that does feel complicated. Like if if Steve Wilkes right. is not if they are not doing a good enough job of taking away the quarterback's early reads based on their scouting and based on the film breakdowns and charting and all of that stuff, like, you know, that might be a preparation issue. And that might be that, that might be like a pretty damning indictment of Steve Wilkes. If they, if they mm-hmm. can't figure this thing out with the talent that they have and teams are just like doing what Matt Stafford did in week two. And it's just like, get to the top of your route. And then and then find your open guy and just like nickel and dime the 49ers defense to death. And then when you do try to blitz, beat him with a screen like that's not it's not a great look for Steve Wilkes right now. So that's that I think is a huge thing with Sunday's game is like, can Steve Wilkes get back on the good foot and can the Niners defense get rolling again? Because they're like we've just kind of assumed the Niners defense was going to be the backbone of the team and, and the reason why they are a contending team in the NFC. Mm-hmm. If the defense isn't bothering the quarterback, you can just throw all that out. The facts. That's like spot if, on. if the, if the defense is not like top three, top five in the league consistently, and it's not like the, you know, it's not like the Vikings put up 40 points, but they did go five straight possessions with scoring, right? Just putting points mm-hmm. on the board. But like, that's just who the Niners are. And it's I think that's what's jarring about these last few weeks is that like we've always even when they've lost games, it was like, oh, they lost because Jimmy Garoppolo threw some picks and stepped out of the back of the end zone. And like the offense just couldn't get going in the second half, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the defense had always been playing at a relatively high level. This is the first time they've gone through struggles where it's been like, oh, the defense is not stepping up. Like, that's really weird. And that to me, like, I think the I, I think we like. I'm not Mr. Hyperbolic. Like we got to, we really got to look at firing the coordinator. I'm not even calling for Steve Wilk's job. I'm just saying like, we're sort of on the path where we kind of got to wonder about like, is Steve Wilk's going to be around long-term? I think that's fair given, given the way the things have gone the the last couple of weeks. Yeah. It's not, it's not just that there was the one game. Remember Kansas city kicked their ass last year at Levi stadium. I think 43, 22 was the final and they just couldn't stop Michael Hardman and Nick Bosa was banged up and Traverius Ward was banged up. And Bosa after the game was like, they just schemed us up. We were not ready for those dudes. And then they were just awesome the rest of the year. 
<laughs> this is two weeks in a row where they got beat by PJ Walker and couldn't stop a run game that featured like Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt, who'd been on his couch the previous six weeks. And then it was Kirk Cousins dicing him up in like a, like it was a seven on seven drill. That's I, I'm with you, man. This is this is at the point that it's a becoming a trend. And now you get Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon coming into Levi Stadium. And it's if your defensive line is not good, I, I, I don't know how they're going to win. And they might be, I mean, if, if we want to the like the optimistic side of this, right? Like that, th- that thing with the Kansas city loss last year was like, Oh man, got their asses kicked by like a real contender. This is like a measuring stick game. They are not, they are not anywhere near the chiefs level. We just came to Levi stadium and kicked their ass. This is a legacy game. <laughs> then they had the Rams who have been like the get right team for the Niners in the last couple of years. It's been like when they see the Rams, it's like they do the, the switch, the switch flips and they, mm-hmm. and they put together a good performance. So they lost two in a row to Atlanta, Kansas City. They had the get-right game against the Rams when Christian McCaffrey threw for the touchdown and caught a touchdown pass and ran for the touchdown. Then they had their bye. And then they went on their winning streak. So, like, the Niners are in position to have a get-right game, get their bye week, and then maybe do what they did last year. So I don't, like, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but if if you're trying to find the optimistic side of this it's like you can just look at last year they lost two games in a row um and then went on their run so that's this team is capable of that we we should know at least i don't know if the 49ers have ever needed a bye week as bad as they need a bye week right now (laughs) it feels like they always need a bye week (laughs) (laughs) yeah a little bit but if they, if they, that's, I, I, you're right. We, we're, I don't want to say hand wringing, but there's all these potential doomsday scenarios, right? Where, oh man, the quarterback has a concussion and Trent Williams is hurt and Debo Samuel's hurt and, oh, the defensive line can't, can't rush the passer and Steve Wilkes doesn't know what he's doing. And there's all this stuff. If they go, just going to use your score, beat the Bengals 24 to 13. And they sack Joe Burrow four or five times and they just control the game and then they cruise into their bye week. It's like, okay, all is right. All is fine. So a lot of this could be solved very easily with, with the comfortable W. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I have some predictions, some what's on taps, if you will. Sure. All right. What's on tap sponsored by Cooper's brewing. I think Brock Purdy is going to play and play well because prior to the fourth quarter on Monday night, he was excellent. And then he airmails the pass to Jawan Jennings for a pick. And he, well, he skipped a pass to Brandon Ayuk on a big third and six. And then he airmailed Jawan Jennings for a pick and then uh, tried to fit a ball into a tight window to Ray Ray McLeod and he got picked. So, Outside of those three plays in the fourth quarter, he was excellent. And I think he's going to play and be really good again Sunday. Yeah, I would agree. Um, like like you said, he returned to practice. Um, I thought Monday night for the first three quarters, he was the offense's best player. Yeah, and I don't, I'm not sure it was close. Yeah, like I, I just thought he – it wasn't a scenario where it was – um, you know, the Niners like carrying like his weapons and the scheme carrying him. It was like, mm-hmm. no, Brock Purdy's legitimately kind of carrying the offense right now. Like that's, yeah. that was the feeling I had during those first three quarters. And then obviously it fell apart in the fourth. Um, so yeah, I think I, if he plays, I would expect him to play well. It's hard for me to ever, I mean, Brock Purdy's played so well since taking over the starting job that it's hard for me to ever just expect him to play poorly. Yeah, for me, it's it's the the what I'm trying to get across or what I'm trying to convey is that the sky isn't falling because of his fourth quarter in Minnesota. I don't think that was the shoe dropping where all of a sudden he's going to complete 55 percent of his throws and no, I don't picks a game. 
I don't think I don't think there's going to be a scenario where Brock Purdy turns into a pumpkin. I agree. I think he just like unless he gets hurt or something else. I, I just think he was playing at such a high level, and like I, I just not to not to be the guy who's like the national media doesn't get it like type thing, but like <laughs> there's there's just this idea because he's small and he doesn't have a rocket arm that he's like being carried by the surroundings and i just like refuse to i I just don't buy it just watch him play watch watch him play and like listen to people who really like who know what goes into playing the position and hear them talk about brock purdy like the guy is playing at a really high level um and like i for the life of me i'll never understand the argument of like well he has great weapons and we'll use that against him it's like okay well Patrick Mahomes also has Travis Kelsey and had Tyreek Hill for a while, yeah. right? <laughs> Joe Burrow has Jamar Chase. Josh Allen is Stephon Diggs. Like uh, Jalen Hurts has AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, right? Like we can go through the entire league and look at all of the elite quarterbacks, and oh yeah, they all happen to have elite weapons. So like I, I let let's pump the brakes on like Brock Purdy's only good because he has good weapons. Like that's anyway. Um, <laughs> I just That's like our daily Brock Purdy tangent. Our our daily Brock Purdy tangent. Yeah, I just I, like until he plays poorly for a su- su- like substantial sample size beyond just like two road games. Um, I'm not I'm not going to worry about him so much because like he has like Kyle Shanahan is tough on quarterbacks generally. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's impressed Kyle Shanahan and that roster to the point that he has, and they have been so invested in Brock Purdy and having him be their starting quarterback. Like to me that, that gives him a good amount of equity. And it's like, it would have to take six games of like four more games in a row. of What happened in Cleveland and in the fourth quarter, of Minnesota for me to start to be like, okay, maybe it's time to go another direction. Yeah. Yep. I'm right there. Uh, I think we're going to see more Jordan Mason. I don't think Brock. Uh, I don't think Christian McCaffrey is going to play every single offensive snap. And I, think I think he probably will. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, but Mason's been really good. Yeah, and maybe there's a fumbling problem. Maybe he just doesn't know where to line up. There's so much stuff happens in practice that dictates what happens in game. So I'm certain they have some reason that goes beyond like, ah, don't like him. I, but I'm fairly I, I'm fairly certain there was that screen in the second half of the Browns game where it was supposed to be a screen right and Mason was in pass pro on the left and then Brock Purdy dropped back and saw that Mason wasn't there and then just like went and slid because the play was busted. Oh boy, probably like you know, kind of important. Okay, well, let to, me let me let me amend yep. my what's on tap then. More of another running back. <laughs> Elijah Mitchell played four snaps and had one carry. I just don't think that that's the. I, I don't. I, I. I think with with Debo Samuel out, there's more that you can do with Christian McCaffrey as a receiver, and as a pass catcher. And yeah. with that, I think you can do like some three running back stuff where Kyle Juszczyk's a de facto second tight end, and Christian McCaffrey is out wide or in the slot or whatever with Elijah Mitchell in the backfield. So I think there's a version of the 49ers offense that looks like that. And I think we get it against the Bengals. I've been wondering for a while if, and maybe this year is too soon, but if we're going to get to a point where like uh, Christian McCaffrey is turning into a slot receiver and like a guy who's not, you're not going to give 20 carries to, but you're still going to get a bunch of targets to Mm -hmm. in the passing game. Just like let him cook linebackers and safeties and, Yep. Like running routes instead of just like handing him the ball so yeah. many times. Yeah. Lower He's impact physical, too. man. I, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, He's far more gonna... physical than I thought he would be. Yes. Same. It. I think George Kittle's going to score a touchdown. I was certain he was getting one against the Vikings. He didn't. More on George Kittle and prize picks, but I think he's going to get a touchdown this week. His fourth of the year. After having three against Arizona? Dallas. Dallas. Yes. That's right. Okay. 
Yeah. Cool. I, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Thank you. And then Nick Bose is getting a sack this week. <laughs> Sorry. That's fine. I was looking up Kittle's numbers. I had like nothing for you on the Kittle. That's team. fine. No, he's a, no, because it's such a good goddamn pick. That you're like, right. Hey, I got nothing. Irrefutable touchdown coming. Yeah. Nick Bosa is going to get a sack this week. I think so. So Nick Bosa talked to reporters this week. I watched his availability. Um, kind of talk like talking about how having a sack doesn't always equate to like having a good game, mm-hmm. right? Like you can play well without getting a sack and you can play poorly and get a sack. He was like, yeah, the Cleveland game was my worst game of the year. And I had a sack in that one. Like he had a big sack. He had a, was that a second down sack? I want to say in the fourth quarter. Was a third yeah, down I sack? So. I think it was second. So we'll see. Like, I, I'm curious to see, like, I, I just feel like Nick Bose is too good at some point. It's like, all right, he's just going to, like a, a he's gonna flip the switch at some point and just like dominate a game like he did. I just refuse to believe unless he's hurt. I refuse to believe that Nick Bosa is just not good like he was anymore. Yeah, and I and I refuse to believe that at this point it's because he didn't have an off season. Right. That would be bananas. What's going on in your room right now? It's like very dark. Uh. Well. <laughs> this Earth revolves around the sun. Okay, so the sun went down. And <laughs> yeah, the sun the sun is going down, and I didn't okay. turn my light on. Gotcha. This is one of the bad parts about being live on video is because I can't like get up without uncomfortably being in front of the camera. I mean, I could do a rant camera. about how Here pop passes. Yeah, you do that. You do that. You rant about whatever you want to rant about for eight pop, pop passes shouldn't count as uh, as passing yard status. Um, all right, what's on tap? For me, we back. Oh, that Let's was go. quick. I didn't even. I didn't even get to rant. No, I know. I heard it. I didn't even have to take my headphones off. Okay, perfect. Uh, your your discussion about the pot pass was a plus. I thought you made some <laughs> great points. Um, shout out to to Josh Dubow, who's actually been oddly quiet. Uh, on in, like he's he's usually sending me a lot of Michigan related tweets. Uh, it's um, probably because Josh is busy traveling, filming other team sidelines. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's uh, <laughs> not on Twitter or X while he's while he's doing that. But um, yeah, shout to the Michigan Wolverines and and being uh, embroiled in scandal. Who could have seen that coming? Hey, can um, we can we agree on something just very very quickly? It's not something I want to argue about. I just want to agree on it. Sure, it's Twitter. I just like calling it X, formerly Twitter, to just to to like. <laughs> to just say how ridiculous it is okay like x is such a dumb name for a social media platform it's trash like every time we i see a tweet or a a post on x or like siri reads it to me when i'm in the car it's like so and so on x and it's It's like, what is this Friday night in college? I don't know. <laughs> like a, just imagine whoever that person is with pupils this big, <laughs> <laughs> and like, just touching and their own, t- touching their skin, <laughs> and like, dude, you got any icy hot? <laughs> Kyle A. Madsen on, is rolling balls right now <laughs> on X. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, yes. What did you have on tap? Um. I have one more if you've forgotten. Okay, go ahead. No, Fred Warner. Just like, I think Fred Warner generally stands out because he plays well and he's like always hitting the shit out of dudes and making a lot of tackles and stuff. But sometimes he overruns plays and sometimes he's out of position. And I think he will admit that to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And when Fred, like one of the reasons why the 49ers defense is so good is because Fred Warner is never out of position. Mm -hmm. But when he is, it's very noticeable. And when the Vikings start off the game with a 19 yard run and Fred Warner's like way past it on the sideline side of the ball carrier as he cuts up field, it's like, you know, like it's just, it's kind of a problem sometimes. And this is not to say that Fred Warner is still not, you know, Fred Warner is obviously the best linebacker in the league, but like he, there, there are some plays and not many, but it feels like there are a handful of game where it's like Fred Mortar gets out of position. 
Yeah. And I thought that happened in Minnesota, particularly in coverage too, against TJ Hawkinson. So I just, you know, I, I think as good as Fred Warner is, he set the standard that's super high. That's like, man, he's, he's always in the right spot. He's always making plays. It's part of what makes him him. And when he's not doing that, sometimes the 49ers defense gives up big plays. So can he, can he rectify those issues on Sunday? I love that prediction or that what's on tap. Do you know what percentage of Joe Burrow's throws are either behind the line of scrimmage or within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage? 67%. 86, no, 66.9%. Really? Yes. What I say? 67? Good, yeah, really good. Really, really good. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I don't care about that. Was legitimately that, that was legitimately. That that's way cooler than anything I was gonna say. I mean, I don't even know what point I was gonna make. No, they the Bengals <laughs> the Bengals have basically lived in the short area this year, and I think Joe Burrow is getting healthier and maybe gonna start pushing the ball down the field more. But on throws, this is per Pro Football Focus. On throws 20-plus yards down the field, Joe Burrow is completing 12.5%, 2 of 16 this year. 10 to 19 yards down the field, he's 18 of 41. That's 43.9% with a touchdown and three interceptions. But this this offense so far, and again, maybe it's different coming out of the bye, but so far this offense has lived in that 10-yard box uh, within the line of scrimmage. And that's where Fred Warner, specifically in coverage, can really dominate. How's uh, Joe Burrow against the Blitz? Joe Burrow against the Blitz, boy, I got to tell you, it is not great. Well, uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It is. I was looking at his pressure stats. Uh, when blitzed, he's been blitzed on 32% of his dropbacks, 59.2% completion rate, three touchdowns, no picks. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Four touchdowns, four picks when not blitzed. Under pressure, Joe Burrow this year, four touchdowns, one interception. 2.7 yards per attempt. Woof. Yeah, I'm interested to see if he can if he's moving better on that injured calf after the bye now that he's gotten some rest and how that affects the Bengals offense and how it affects the Niners defense. Yeah. So, should we get to uh prize picks? Yeah, let's get to our prize picks. Shout out to the homies over at Prize Picks. You can join us at prizepicks.com slash candlestick. Promo code candlestick for up to a $100 first deposit match. I just made my entry and then put my phone away. Let me grab. Okay. So because of, so this is, so prize picks is, is daily fantasy sports. It's super fun. You pick two to six players and you pick more or less on their stat projections. And then you see how they do. And when you are correct, the winnings pile up. It's super fun. So with the injury to Brock Purdy, who's still in concussion protocol, the 49ers available squares aren't super expansive. Nothing for Brock Purdy, nothing for Sam Darnold. Debo Samuel's obviously out. I think they're waiting on Christian McCaffrey to see what A, his health looks like, and B, which quarterback is playing some. I have George Kittle more than four receptions. I think the Niners are, are going to lean heavy on him uh, with with Debo Samuel out. I have Brandon Ayuk more than four and a half receptions. That feels like a lock to me, especially since he only had one target in the second half last week. The Niners are going to figure out how to get him the ball. It's just so clear that he is their most explosive playmaker in the passing game and is not really even close. So I think they're going to really find ways to to make sure that he's getting the ball all game, not just in one half. And then Joe Mixon, less than 76 and a half rushing plus receiving yards. I think he's going to have a few receiving yards. The, the Bengals run a ton of screens. So I, I think he's going to rack up some receiving yards on screens. I just don't know if the if the rushing numbers are, are going to be there. So I am going to take less than 70, 76 and a half rushing plus receiving yards. Okay. And that is my entry. And I'm going flex play. The flex play is great because you pick three. If you get two right, you still win a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's a little gutless, but that's fine. 
No, totally gutless, but I'm totally I'm okay with it. I'm I'm, uh, I'm team power play, which is which might which might be why I haven't had the uh, the most success on Prize Picks this year. But sure, um, I'm but gonna go, guts, kid. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what everyone says. Um, Joe Burrow, less than or fewer than, if you want to be gra- grammatically correct, uh, 245 and a half passing yards. This is more of a prediction that the 49ers are just going to bounce back. I think I think it it's going to be a get right game. I just have too much belief in just what the 49ers like who they are, how much talent they have. Um the fact that like they still aren't healthy on defense. It's not like they're missing bodies. They just haven't played well. Mm-hmm. And I think being at home after 2 weeks on the road um is is going to help. So part of that is is you know fewer than 245 and a half for Joe Burrow. Um, I'm with you on Brandon Ayuk. <clears throat> I saw you, you said you went um, on receptions. I'm going to go more on yardage, uh, right. 59 and a half. I think it could be like 130 yard two touchdown game for, for BA. I, I just mm-hmm. think it's, it's been a few weeks now without Debo. Um, Kyle Shanahan's going to figure out more ways to, to get him going. Like you said, after, after the coverages were, were rolled towards his, his side in Minnesota, I think they're probably like they could probably move him around more, send him in motion and give Brock Purdy or whoever's playing quarterback a a better idea of what the coverage is going to be pre snap. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would I would look look at that. And then Jamar Chase, I know I went um, I know I went less than on yardage for Burrow with Chase. I'm going more than seven and a half receptions. I just think it's going to be like, you know, bubble screens. Um, short passes, just, you know, getting your guy the ball. Um, and it, you know, I, I just have too much belief in chase and, and the Niners have been a defense that so far this season has, has allowed teams to dink and dunk. And I think chase could get some, some easy receptions that way. So I think more than seven and a half receptions for chase would be my third play. And I'm going power play. Cause, uh, cause look, you know, just got to put the chips in. Yeah. Just got to put the chips in and, and, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't win if you don't play. That's the way I look at it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to coin this phrase right now. Yeah. And you can use it. Scared money. Don't make money. Hey, there you go. Mm -hmm. Never heard that before. That's great. So yeah. Burrow less than two forty five and a half. and more than 59 and a half and chase more than seven and a half receptions. I dig it. That's prize picks. Join us. Play daily fantasy. It's super easy and a ton of fun. I did an NBA one the other day, and I I, I got all four correct during the the Warriors Suns game. So that was fun. Super exciting. Just a just a fun way to inject a, a little additional excitement into your sports viewing experience. Uh, check out Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. PrizePicks.com slash Candlestick is the website. The promo code there is Candlestick. Promo code Candlestick. For a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash candlestick. Promo code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. We got people in the chat on YouTube uh, putting down some Candlestick Chronicles hazy IPAs while they're while they're watching this live stream. That is yeah. that is about as good as it gets right there. So it doesn't it doesn't get a lot better. You're absolutely right. <laughs> uh yeah, I if Trent here's my caveat. I don't think the 49ers are going to win. If Trent Williams plays, I think they win because I think their run game gets going and I think their offense gets back on track. And I think the complimentary football thing starts to come into play. And I think they, they, they win because the desperation level is high. Yeah. I think he is going to play. I think he didn't practice. What's on tap. He didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. I think he is going to play. Okay. Um, and I'm not basing this off anything, just our pal uh, Nick Wagner's intuition and instincts. <laughs> so uh, we haven't mentioned him yet. So. Uh, oh, yeah. Jesus. We'll just sneak that in at the buzzer. <laughs> uh, hopefully, Trent, I mean, if Trent doesn't play, Nick might get mad at us for uh, for shouting him out on, on the call here. But um, no, I think Trent's going to play. The, I mean, the, the logic would be, I think, give him as much rest as possible, allow him to play on grass, 
and then he'll have the bye week to recover. Yeah, um, that would make sense. They need if, him, man. Yeah, they they do need him. I think they need him in a uh, in a real substantial way in the running game for sure. Yeah. Thousand percent. All right. Subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube page. If you go to youtube.com, just search Candlestick Chronicles. It'll be right there. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Candlecron. That's at Candlecron, no stick, no ickles. And what am I missing? Like the video. We'd appreciate that. Hit the notification, notification button when we go yeah. live. Yeah, you'll get the noti. And that's it. We'll have yes, a post-game sir. pod for you that comes out Monday. Yes, sir. Everybody enjoy their weekends. Um, enjoy the game. We're playing a little golf. Oh, you aren't playing golf. This is this I'm was not a golf. This was a golf-themed episode, though, for those watching. Kyle and I both both rocking golf hats inadvertently. His is way cooler than mine, but I mean, we're but apparently we're both big uh, Alistair McKenzie guys. Yeah, I mean, you the, and me, uh, <laughs> Allie Mack, and and us are. The old doctor, the two-tiered greens, and uh, <laughs> and, wi- and wild bunker complexes. Um, yeah, we're we're big into that. Oh, I got I got my Pasa Tiempo hat on, and Kyle's got his Amen Corner from a from a little-known golf course in Augusta, Georgia. There, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Anyway, shout out Augusta to Alistair Alistair McKenzie, RIP. Um, and uh, <laughs> we will talk to you guys after the game on Sunday. Everybody, be well. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.